The sky has turned the palest pink, and the sun hovers just below the horizon. The women's eyes are dropping lower, and their shoulders drag them forward with lack of sleep. Seeing their lassitude, the elder calls out for the women to stand. Shake the sleep from your feet, she cries out. We are here, joined in hearts and voices. We hear our calling, even when the world seeks to distract us, wear us down, and frighten us. We are the first of this earth, and life runs through our veins. We hold miracles in our bodies, hands, and mouths. When we speak the truth, we make things whole. Open your ears, sisters. We must remind one another to not lose faith. The night has ended, and just as the night and world has its seasons, so too do our lives. I will speak now, for I am the crone. I have long been feared and loathed. Society worships beauty and youth. I am often represented as a woman past her prime, no longer fertile, vengeful, and mean, the opposite of what is considered desirable. But in this later cycle of my life, I have become the wisdom keeper, healer, and midwife. I am free from the constraints of partnership, beauty, and raising children. I have much freedom and can base my life on my own choices instead of what others need from me. I understand the importance of death and renewal. I study the cycles of nature. I know there is a time for all things, and I use this knowledge for my own and others' benefit. As the sun rises and closes our night of sharing, encouraging, and empowering, I will tell one final tale, stretching the drum's skin. A woman walked through the forest. Her hands drifted over trees and moss, her fingers wet with the feel of the forest. She felt a drumming in her chest, in her heart, in the soles of her feet. It was the call of the drum maker. It was the call of life and the call of death. She wove her way through the trees until the drum beat so loud in her heart and in her ears that she stopped. An animal approached her. He too had heard the drumming, heard the call that drew him from the forest, the call that his life was to end. The deer slowly knelt before the woman, a knife in her hand. She gently bent his neck and took his life. She sang a song as his blood ran free, soaking back into the ground to give nourishment, then severed his head and mounted it on her back. The blood stained her cloak, but she was unconcerned as she prepared the body. The eyes of the deer watched the forest as the woman made her way back out, heavy with his body. The woman returned to her village and ducked into her teepee. The hide was pulled tight and furs covered the floor. The walls were circled with the heads of animals. The woman took the head of the deer from her back and, sewing the neck shut, mounted his head with the rest of the animals on the wall. She then parted the deer's body from his skin and began to stretch the hide to craft a drum. She pulled it tight to a wooden frame, careful that the edges were not too tight and not too loose. After it set and she pulled a scraper over it, she checked the flexibility, then set to work shaping and molding. As she worked with her hands, she sang again. This time her voice was not alone. The voice of the deer rose with hers, for he was the guardian not only of his skin, but of the forest. He whispered to the drum and gave it life, teaching it the song of the forest, the song of the people, and how to call the animals for the hunt with its beat. And though the woman was the one who set the foot traps to snare the animals, and it was her hand that cut their throats, it was the forest who decided who would fall prey and who would escape. Though only the skin and sinew was used for drum making, no part of the animal was wasted. It would be an offense to the forest and the hide of the animal would rot and fall apart if it was so disrespected. 
For this reason, his head was mounted on the wall. He would watch over the process and see that his hide was well treated. If the proper ceremonies were done and he was honored, he would give his blessing by breathing and whispering to the drum, telling it his hiding places, his secret grove. He would give permission to hunt his flesh. However, it was not always certain that a blessing would be given. If there were too many drums made, or if there was a fall in his herd's numbers, the beast would not grant his blessing. The drum would fail, the hide refusing to stretch or to cure to sound. It would be empty of life and fit for nothing. Even if the hunters tried to hunt, forcing the drum to sound, they would be met with the force of the forest and the animals. Accidents would begin to occur, short falls ending in death. The forest would not be pleased and would speak out against the men. The drum maker was the balance keeper, and she could listen to the hides of the animals. She kept the tribe in peace with the forest. She knew when to give a bear a skin or a beaver drum in place of a buck or buffalo. She was the only one who made and granted drums for her people. The tribe had heated the forest through the drum maker for many centuries. So many years, in fact, that they no longer remembered the danger when they did not listen. One day a man appeared in their village. He was another shaman, though dark and twisted. Cast out, or perhaps the only one left after a terrible plague. He came seeking asylum. The drum maker felt the beat of the forest in her heart, and called out for him to be sent on his way. But the shaman offered the chief a strung necklace of white teeth, rare and fine. Blinded to the sharp aura around the man, the chief offered him a place among his people. The drum maker was troubled, but there was little she could do. At first, the dark shaman kept to his hut and was subdued. He made no trouble and seemed eager to help, but he was only biding his time into the first season's dance. He waited until the fire had burned low and people were giddy from hours of dancing. Then he produced his own drum, sounding it into the night. Its beat was strange and echoed in the tribe's ears. All their drums had been honed by their shaman drum maker. Hers were soft and light, filled with the energy of the earth. But this, this man's drum was dark and full of the energy of the moon. It was heavy and sharp and uneasy. But as the shaman began to play, his steady drumming ignited the people. It pulled their limbs and set them in a sweaty beat, dancing around the circle. Their arms rose and fell in time, twisting and turning to the strange melody. All night the shaman played, and his drum pounded against the tree's bark. In the morning, the tribe was still asleep, collapsed where they had fallen the night before. When they were able to throw off the spell of sleep, they discovered they had eaten all their stores of meat in their frenzied feast the night before. A hunt was planned for the next day to replenish their stores. The hunters readied their weapons, and the drum maker deliberated over which drum to send with the men. But at the last minute, the lead hunter turned away from the drum maker and asked the shaman if he would use his drum to call the animals. The drum maker immediately spoke against this idea. How would the animals of the forest respond? How would they know this foreign drum which was not of their land, not of their hide, and not of her hands? But the hunters did not listen to her, the mesmerizing beat of the night drum still echoing in their chests. And so the shaman raised the drum above his head and let his stick fall, a deep tone emitting from the skin. And it called out into the forest, crawling over roots and branches, snaking down into dens and holes. But because it was not of this earth but of the moon, the forest did not know what to make of it. With an earth drum, they would know to come or to flee. But this, this they had not heard before, and so they stood still. And the hunters slaughtered them with glee. Arrow after arrow was notched, and they took the whole herd in a few moments. They stopped before they killed them all, but in their excitement they killed more than they could possibly use. Still, they called the women to skin and clean the kills. The drum maker was silent. Worry was in her breast. 
This drum was moving among the people, and it was not good. Much food was going to waste, only the best pieces being taken and the less choice left to rot. A dishonor to the forest and its creatures. Seeing the hunters with such good luck, the chief went to their village drum maker and extended her the respect of her position, and asked her to craft them a drum like the man's, with the heavy beat and the energy of the moon. But the drum maker refused. This was not the way of the land. It was not in balance to send animals into shock so that no skill was required to hunt them. No, this was not the way. But the hunters would not be deterred, and so they went to the dark shaman and asked him to show them, to teach them to play this dark drum. He was glad to wind his dark magic around the tribe, and with the extra skins from the great kill, they stretched and pulled until the drum hoop was covered and the hide tight. The drum maker could only watch as the darkness spilled into her village, and the sound of strange drums filled the air. Armed with their unnatural drums, the men left to hunt once more. And they hunted and hunted and hunted. While they hunted, the drum maker tried to rectify the dark drums by making a new one, pure from the forest and the land. But no matter how many times she visited the forest, she found her traps empty. No hoof prints, no signs of life. The forest had nothing to give. Too much was being stolen without permission. One day, the woman found a deer lying with a broken neck. She honored it and took its hide and head. She gave the meat to the scavengers as there was too much meat in the huts at home. But when she mounted the head on the teepee wall and tried to clean the hide, it would not grow soft, remaining a hard, crusty sheet no matter how many times she soaked it or scraped it. The forest was unhappy. It was being unmade and soon there would be no life under its trees. An illness began to spread among the people. First the elderly grew sick with a cough. Then others became hot with fever. The beginnings of a plague the drum maker feared. Perhaps the same one that killed the people in the dark shaman's previous village. The drum maker knew she must do something. Even if she was the only one who could hear the forest voice, she had to act. And though the forest would not allow her to make a drum, she had saved the hide, refusing to waste the animal's life. Now she would craft it into something beside a drum, something she could use to speak another way. She fashioned a mask, a leathery, pointy, grotesque shape and she made leg coverings and a long fringe cloak. When the next moon came and there was a dance, the drum maker slipped away. She put on her mask and her outfit and waited until the fire had burned low, and the dancers were tired and trembling. She stepped forward and threw aside her cloak, letting her breasts free. She stood before them with deer legs and a misshapen face, a leather bag ill-treated and ill-cured. She began to howl, and then a low moan in the back of her throat, and her legs bucked at strange angles. She slapped her thighs in a rhythm that was rough and haunting. She jutted her back as she began to dance. Awkward and stilted, she went around the circle. The drummers had stopped drumming, but there was a beat moving among them. A lone bird cried out in the night, but all eyes were on the ill-shaped creature before them. Was it a night beast, an enemy from the world below? The villagers wondered, but then they saw the antlers at the top of the head and they knew. This was the mark of the forest. This was a messenger. But the forest messengers were always well-recognized, walking tall, proud, and well-groomed. Who was this ragged, deformed creature without a voice, who could not even talk except in moans and howls? Then the shaman stepped forward. He saw the confusion and the people wavering. He pulled out his dark drum. He would banish this creature. But as he began to beat his drum, the woman drum maker pulled her cloak back to her and cast her arms round in a ring. And she made an ill-sounding drum with her body and she used her head to beat down on the hide across her arms. It was an awkward motion, but it jarred the moon drum and began to weaken it. 
Down, down, down the woman dropped her head onto the hide's surface. The sound of the earth growing louder and louder, beating out the moon drum. The shaman tried to keep up, tried to sound his drum louder and faster, but a great rip sounded and his drum hide split in two. The villagers woke as if from a trance, and they silently went back to their huts to sleep. In the morning, the dark shaman was gone, but he had left his broken drum behind. The drum maker threw it in the last embers of the fire. When she walked the forest a few weeks later, her traps were full once more.